Hello, my friends. This is Bishop Campbell welcoming you again to a short meditation on the theme of living the Catholic life. This uh, Thursday, we are going to celebrate a marvelous feast that is the Feast of the Transfiguration of Our Lord. It is a feast that was very important uh, to the Christian people from the very beginning, and in fact, uh, the account of it is recorded in the first three Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It was an occasion when Jesus took three chosen disciples out up on the mountain and revealed to them his glory as the Son of God. Now, the Transfiguration was an event in the New Testament that is associated with the many Old Testament accounts of the appearance of the glory of God. We remember that Moses was granted the extraordinary privilege of witnessing the glory of God, although only the backside of the Gloria, because of a fear that uh, if you saw the actual face of God, you would disintegrate, it would blow all our circuits. But the experience of Moses was so powerful that his own body began to glow with the radiance of the power and glory of God. As he came down from the mountain, you remember, the people begged him to cover his face. The uh, glory was so, so potent. And it uh, there is a sort of awesome fear that developed among the uh, Jewish people that seeing God as he is would consume the viewer. And that is why those accounts of Jesus who revealed his glory in so many ways caused a, a momentary panic among the people. You remember that when Peter was called by Jesus after the miraculous draft of fish, Peter's first response was to fall to his knees, and he said, Depart from me, Lord, uh, Lord for I am a sinful man. Remember the vision of the glory of God in the temple with Isaiah, who responded, I am a sinful man. And I shall certainly die if I see the, the glory of God. But in fact, even in revealing his glory, God wishes to touch the lives of people. And something of that was happening on Mount Tabor. When our Lord, in midway through his ministry with his disciples, took Peter, James, and John and revealed his glory, the glory that he possesses as the Son of God. Now, it caused some fear and some confusion among the disciples. And in fact, they started to wonder what it was all about. And as one of the Gospels records, they didn't know really what they were talking about. But this event was what the scriptural scholars call a prolepsis. That is a sort of coming attraction of the resurrection. And it was given at a moment when our Lord began to predict to his disciples that he would have to go up to Jerusalem there to suffer and die, and then to be risen to new life. And of course, this caused some great confusion among the disciples as well. 
and apparently that revelation of God's glory was given as a kind of consolation, a preparation for the events that would, in fact, lead to the glorification of Jesus as the Christ. And on that mountain, in being transfigured before the disciples, Jesus revealed the inner reality of the kingdom of God. And it reminds me of that passage from the first letter of St. John, in which he says, My dear people, what we later will be has not really been fully revealed to us, but we do know this, that we shall be like God, for we shall see him as he is. For whatever Christ touches, he transforms. And in revealing his glory to those disciples and then later to all believers as he he continues to do in so many ways, we are transformed just as Moses' uh, whole being became radiated with what he gazed upon. So too, as we gaze upon the glory of God, we are going to be transformed by it. And when we see that glory fully exposed, in the coming of the kingdom, then indeed we shall become like him and we shall live forever in his presence. Now I am sometimes asked, how do we experience that in our own day? And in fact, can we experience it today, that of which the disciples experienced on Mount Tabor? And I think the answer is yes, we can, if we are but attentive to it. It will not be, of course, as intense, perhaps, as what occurred to Moses and to Peter, James, and John, but it can be transforming. I remember a comment that C.S. Lewis wrote about in his autobiography, about an occasion when he was just walking out on his daily excursion, went past a pond, and suddenly two geese arose from the water. And at that moment, C.S. Lewis experienced such a peace and such a sense of revelation. In that very ordinary event, God chose to reveal something of his glory to C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis later came to describe such events as being surprised by joy. And in fact, he entitled his autobiography, Surprised by Joy. In fact, I I consider it a rather humorous detail in his later life that he met and fell in love late in life with a woman named Joy. But that experience moved him deeply, gave him a deeper insight. And I think that we all of us can be surprised by joy, and I think it can come in at least three ways. The first way is the experience of encountering something that is absolutely true, and beautiful. True in the sense 
that it is beyond all our doubt, true in the sense that when we encounter it, we not only recognize it as true, and often at the same time as beautiful, we recognize that in order for us to become worthy of such an experience, we have to change the way we live. I remember being in in high school in a class, I won't tell you which one, but we were given an assignment, and I read three books in tandem. We were told to write a report on each one of them. And the three books I chose to report on made so profound an impression on me. And when I was through with the reading, I said to myself, this is good. Then I asked myself, what must I do to become worthy of that? The second way by which we can experience some of the uh, glory of God is the discovery of wholeness and simple being. The fact that something exists, something powerful exists. And in that experience of wholeness, we have almost a suspension of time. I had a very brief experience of this, believe it or not, doing my geometry homework. And I was going through one problem, and all of a sudden, I had this sensation of realizing how everything seemed to fit. And uh, I remember just being consumed with thought about it. I thought the experience lasted maybe a minute or two, but I heard my mother's voice calling out, stop wool gathering and finish your uh, work. It was 20 minutes. And uh, very rarely has that occurred to me since. Maybe it's because I dropped mathematics in college. But it was that, that sense of wholeness and that simple being And it's something that I discovered later when I read the autobiography of St. Teresa of Avila. When she related that experience she had of being drawn up into the conversation between God the Father and his son Jesus in the power of the Spirit. And she said it was beyond all of her human capacity uh, to to explain, but she said at that moment I knew this is life. And that is what I would hope to attain. The third way I think we can experience that sense of the revelation of the kingdom and the glory of God is the experience, simple experience of being loved and being secure. Juliana of Norwich had a marvelous revelation in which she saw all of creation in the small shape of a hazelnut suspended on what she thought was a very thin thread. But it was revealed to her that, in fact, that hazelnut is suspended by what appears to be a, th- uh, a very thin thread, but it, in fact, is the love of God. And from that, she concluded in her describing it, 
all things will be well. All manner of things will be well. And in that hope and peace, she continued her life as a hermitess. A modern theologian once said that the first way by which we experience that love of God is at the moment of our birth. When a child looks up at the face of his or her mother and there sees a love, because the message from the child is very simple and clear. I need you for everything. But it is that smile, that look on the face of the mother that is the first revelation of the glory of our Lord's love. Now we might ask, why don't we experience these things more often? I think it's because we have too many distractions. We place our our hope and our expectations in the wrong things and in the wrong place. We don't prepare our minds and hearts sufficiently to receive them. So therefore, our, our prayer is critical. Our openness is important. And at last, we can be touched by those surprises of joy, which lead us to an even deeper longing for our eternal life. 